Alright, alright, it is time for another episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. My name is Farzim Masugan, your host. Appreciate all of you guys taking the time to download and listen to another episode of the podcast, making this podcast part of your day. Very appreciated. Hope you all had a great Father's Day weekend. Happy Father's Day to my dad. Happy Father's Day to all the great dads out there. Hope you all had a great Father's Day weekend. Some things to get into here on this episode of the Chief Zone. Uh, This is going to be the start of the dead period now in the NFL. You kind of have a little bit of that after the draft, but after uh, OTAs and minicamp, that dead period is in full force. And at this point, you're really hoping that your team isn't really in the news a whole lot. So there will be some things that we'll talk about in the offseason, but uh, as far as what's going on right now, I mean, players are on break. Uh, everyone goes home for a little bit, spend time with their families. Uh, some of them go visit their alma mater during the summertime, uh, visit some of their college, high school coaches, uh, friends, family members that they don't get to see a whole lot during the season. So uh, this is that opportunity to really relax, let the body rest up a little bit. Stay in shape, of course, and get ready for training camp because that is when uh, the intensity turns up. And, uh, of course, given the heat here in the area, and I know St. Joe not necessarily part of the Kansas City area exactly, but, hey, I mean, the weather is still very similar uh, here in the Midwest, and it's going to be brutal up there uh, when the Chiefs start training camp. And that will be, by the way, on Thursday, July the 26th. In St. Joe. And of course we'll get into some of the things from this offseason with minicamp now concluded. If you guys want to be part of the podcast, a couple of easy ways to do so. First of all, join me on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Farzee Vesugian. A lot of discussions taking place on there. So make sure you guys are joining in on all of that. Again, Facebook.com slash Farzee Vesugian. Like my Facebook page. Follow me on Facebook. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. That is the tweet machine there for me. And email me as well, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. If you haven't, subscribed to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Hit the share button. Let your friends know about the Chief Zone podcast. All right, as I said, it is the start of the dead period here. So there really isn't a whole lot to talk about here. We'll talk about the offseason a little bit, some of the pros and cons, how that'll impact the team moving forward. One Chiefs player has been placed on IR, plus a couple of Madden ratings have been released. We know the overall Madden rating for all 32 teams and the top three players For each team, I'll tell you who the top three rated Madden players are for the Kansas City Chiefs. You may be surprised with some of the numbers here a little bit. So we'll talk about that as well. Already already have that discussion going on on the Facebook page. Couple people not too happy. Hey, look, at the end of the day, no one can ever be happy with anything. That's just the way it works. But nonetheless, we'll discuss that later on in the podcast. Plus, I also want to talk about the possibility of... World Cup games, FIFA World Cup games at Arrowhead Stadium. Now look, I got to plead ignorance here because I really don't know a whole lot about soccer, FIFA World Cup, those kinds of things. I'll watch I'll watch soccer games occasionally. I'll put on Sporting KC if it's on TV. I'll uh, I'll watch the FIFA World Cup games. I mentioned last podcast, I mean a lot of the games are happening uh during the uh during the morning when uh people are 
either going to work or already at work. So, uh, not a whole lot of FIFA action I've had a chance to catch. Uh, saw a little bit over the weekend. Saw the big game, Mexico and Germany. I mean, that was a very exciting one. Uh, but anyway, uh, I, I really don't know a whole lot about this subject with the FIFA World Cup and the possibility of it coming to Arrowhead. So, I'm not going to pretend like I really know a lot about the subject, but I do know somebody who knows a lot about that, and we're going to bring him on later in the episode, Alan Hankel, who covers the uh, who covers soccer and sporting KC for Fountain City Soccer, uh, formerly of Bleacher Report, so you're going to hear uh, two former Bleacher Report writers on this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Already you're hearing from one of them, and a uh, second member will be on later in the podcast, Alan's a guy who I've talked to for a long time on social media. He and I had never uh, exchanged DMs or numbers before, but uh, we, we recently did, and I wanted to get him on the podcast and uh, talk about this. And I thought he'd be the perfect person to have on to discuss this topic. So, if you're like me, you don't know a whole lot about soccer or really the uh, possibilities that Kansas City has in hosting a FIFA World Cup game, we'll talk about that because. And I know a lot of you guys listening, you guys are more interested in the Chiefs rather than what goes on with with another sport. That's understandable. But I think people have got to keep in mind the impact that this will have on not just the Chiefs, but also for Kansas City. A lot on the line here. So, uh, I mean, you, 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 you think about what's gone on in Kansas City the past 11, 12 years. I actually want to talk about that after the Alan Henkel interview because... There are some things that have changed with this city, uh, a lot of positive changes that is, and maybe those changes that we've seen in this city for the past 11 to 12 years can translate into big opportunities like this, getting a FIFA World Cup, maybe one day getting an NFL draft, maybe one day getting a Super Bowl here. I, of course, we have seen the Super Bowl, Super Bowl played outdoors in a cold environment at East Rutherford, New Jersey. About a couple of years ago, four years ago, if I'm not mistaken, and you know, hey, if the Jets and Giants can host a, a game outdoors in the cold, why can't Kansas City? Why can't the Chiefs? So, uh, I think those kinds of opportunities can eventually come to play in Kansas City. So, a lot to get into with that topic later on in the podcast. But first things first. Chiefs offseason? I mean, I don't know. You always say there is no offseason in the NFL. Okay, I guess now this is technically the offseason. This is the dead period now. This is the dead period, a pretty long dead, the longest dead period you'll have in the NFL. You don't hear a whole lot from players. Some of them will do national interviews on ESPN, Fox Sports, CBS Sports, NBC Sports, Sirius XM, uh, all those major networks, uh, you, you'll hear some of those. Maybe they do a few local interviews here and there. But other than that, you're not going to hear a whole lot about uh, NFL teams at this point. And really, if, you, if they're if they're in the news, if something does happen, generally it's not a good thing. If you remember about 11 months ago, this time the Chiefs made some waves because they had... Decided to extend Andy Reid's contract, but they fired John Dorsey. And one of the crazier moves, and not necessarily so much the move itself, but more so the timing of it. Why it came at the time that it did. And that was one of the biggest topics, uh, you know, on SiriusXM's NFL channel, ESPN's NFL um, 
uh, I don't know what they call it, their uh, NFL Insider Show or Tonight Show, NFL Network, because they don't have a whole lot to talk about in June and July. So anytime, even the simplest story that breaks as news, they'll cover it like it's a big deal because they don't have a whole lot to talk about. But in this case, firing a GM in July certainly is a huge story. It's not something you ever see. And the Chiefs were in the news for that. So really you want to try not to be in the uh, in the headlines or in the news ticker during the uh, this time of year, the summer essentially. But hopefully the Kansas City Chiefs can avoid that. Uh, I want to go over some of the positives and negatives from OTAs and minicamp with the Kansas City Chiefs. Because there were some, some good things, but there were also some bad things that happened on the field, off the field. We'll talk about all of that right now. The The first positive for me is uh, there was no real, really any contract drama with any of the Chiefs players. You didn't hear about a player holding out or not attending OTAs or minicamp because they were seeking a new contract. They didn't hear that from any player this year, which is great. Another piece of good news, you had a lot of players who suffered injuries last year, season-ending injuries last year, for most of them at least, and those guys participated in some shape or form, some more than others. Uh, guys like Eric Berry, Chris Conley, Spencer Ware, D. Ford, a lot of those guys participated in off-season practices this year. And I think another positive, too, is Pat Mahomes has kind of taken a leadership role with this football team. When the Chiefs first started to all gather for OTAs earlier this offseason, you heard about Pat Mahomes and the fact that he was gathering some of the offensive players together so they could start working on things and get ahead of the curve a little bit. And I mentioned at the time, look, all 32 teams, they all go through OTAs and then they have a mandatory minicamp, then they have training camp. Everyone goes through all of these practice sessions. So it's not like... Uh, these practice sessions give you a major boost over another team. Everyone's working on things. Everyone's improving this offseason in some shape or form. Now, will those improvements carry over to the regular season? That's, of course, a separate topic. But as far as what we saw with OTAs go, yeah, well, actually, before OTAs, let me, let me back up a bit. Patrick Mahomes gathered some of his teammates and started to work on certain things, certain routes, that way they can have some familiarity and be a little bit ahead before OTAs. This is how you get ahead of other teams. Now, in the long run, could a couple of meetings and get-togethers, practices, you know, self-created practices be that big? I mean, would it make a major impact? Maybe not. Uh, it may not give you that big of a boost, but you know what? If you're putting some sort of effort, especially with a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes where he didn't play a whole lot his rookie season and he wants to use his second year, he wants to make the best of it. He really does. He wants to go out there and get acclimated with the offense, get familiar with his guys. You know, when he wants to know when to throw the football at which exact time to certain players. I mean, if you throw... A deep pass to Tyree Kill and a deep pass to Demarcus Robinson. I mean, you you got to make sure you time both of those right, depending who you're throwing it to. You know you'll have a better chance with Tyree Kill because of his speed. Demarcus Robinson doesn't have the same speed necessarily, but if you can figure out uh, when to throw the ball to him at, at which exact time, you you just establish that on the field rapport with these players, and that certainly can help a lot. 
when it comes to OTAs and, uh, you know, of course, eventually we'll, we'll get to training camp. And as I mentioned, that'll kick off Thursday, July 26th in St. Joe and hopefully in preseason and regular season games. Some negatives to talk about here. A couple of them. Pat Mahomes, now we just mentioned the leadership role he's trying to have. But we did hear some negative things about his performance and practices. A, kind of a, a, a turnover machine in a couple of practice sessions. Never something that you want to hear. But again, I, I think with a quarterback like him who had to spend a year under center behind Alex Smith. And now he's trying to... Get familiar with his new role. You'll certainly expect some curves and bumps on the road. Listen, I've said this before. The first quarter of the season, the first four games, I'm not expecting a lot of positive things from Patrick Mahomes. I'm expecting growing pains. I'm expecting struggles. And my biggest fear is in this day and age where we see so many coaches get fired after a year even. My biggest concern is Patrick Mahomes, maybe he goes out there and has... Three touchdowns, eight picks. Maybe he has four touchdowns, four picks. I don't know. Either way, you know, neither of those stat lines are great. One is certainly way better than the other, but still not very good. But, but, but my biggest concern is if Patrick Mahomes does struggle, like I think he will early on, I worry fans will just pan, hit the panic button and, and, and uh want to bring in Chad Henney or Matt McGloin or or see if they can just take the season and go for a new quarterback in the next draft. That's my biggest concern because I've said this before. I think Mahomes will struggle in the first three or four games, but after that, I think he'll be able to learn from his mistakes, nullify them, and figure out what to do and start dominating from that point forward. I think that's the kind of season we'll get from Patrick Mahomes. Just a guess on my end. Maybe some people think he's going to do well from beginning to end with maybe one or two bad games in the middle. No, okay, certainly fair enough. Uh, But I think with a guy like him, you've got to show a little bit of patience. Uh, Yeah, sure, he did spend a year buying Alex Smith, and that can maybe be a benefit. But I also think that knowing what we know so far about what he's done in OTAs and some of the picks that he's thrown... Maybe it is a bit of a concern, and I think that's something to be mindful of when going into the regular season. The other negative I have, and this is more off the field, it's, of course, the incidents involving Kareem Hunt. Now, I went over this recently on the podcast, so I'm not going to go into detail about this. All I've got to say is, look, right now they're both minor incidents, so it's not a lot to be concerned about but the fact that he's been involved in multiple incidents that can definitely be a, a a red flag there and i think you've got to be careful because even if there's another minor incident that's strike 3 right there and you look andy reed's not i mentioned this before andy reed's not the kind of person to publicly throw his players under the bus he didn't do that with marcus peters he never did that with travis kelsey he's he's not doing it with kareem hunt at the moment and he's mentioned that the Chiefs are handling this behind closed doors, and I trust that. I really do. No NFL team will let something like that just go uh, undiscussed and and, and uh, you know act like nothing ever happened. I'm sure the Chiefs are doing their due diligence. They've talked to Kareem Hunt, and I'm sure they've been in communication with uh, police officers who were at the scene and wrote down the report and trying to figure out the details there. So I'm sure they're working on that. Uh, in trying to figure out 
uh, does any punishment need to take place? Whatever. I'm sure the Chiefs have got that under control. Uh, just from my concern, not even just this offseason. I'm talking about during the season or in future offseasons. Got to make sure that Kareem Hunt's hanging with the right crowd because even a, even if strike three comes, a, a let's just say a year after the last incident, more than 12 months, it could it's still going to count against him. It's still going to be his third strike. So you want to make sure that he's learned from his mistakes and whatever he's dealt with, whatever he's been involved in, doesn't happen again in the near future. Now, a little bit of bad news. Fullback J.D. Moore placed on IR. The Chiefs, however, did not disclose any of the details regarding his injury or why he was placed on IR. So not a whole lot to really go off of here. Uh, J.D. Moore, of course, uh, maybe there was a possibility that he could have been on the team as a backup fullback. You generally don't see a lot of backup fullbacks, but you, you know you don't write them off completely. Maybe you see something special on a certain player and you give him that opportunity to make the 53-man roster, uh, even if it's a position where you only need one of them, uh, one player in that position. But, hey, two can never hurt if you really do think you've got something special in that player. Maybe you, you could, if he's that good but you don't want a second fullback, you can find a, a, tra- a trading partner and uh, get something out of him. So, unfortunately, J.D. Moore, his season is over as he has been placed on IR. Final thing I want to talk about before we get Alan Henkel on the podcast. Madden 19 ratings, at least some of the ratings, have been revealed. Now, the Chiefs have, for those who don't know how this works, basically they have the overall rating, the offensive rating, and the defensive rating, and then they average that out, and they have one overall team rating. The Chiefs have an overall team rating of 80. Now, you might be wondering what constitutes a, as an 80 or a 90. Well, maybe if I read you all the top 12 ratings, because to give you a general idea, the Chiefs are rated 30th, or excuse me, 13th in Madden. In order, you got the Eagles at 90, the Patriots at 84, a six-point rating difference there. And then behind the Patriots, the Falcons, Steelers, and Saints at 83. The Vikings, Jaguars at 82. Then you've got the Cowboys, the Titans, and the Raiders all at 81. Then you've got the Rams and the Seahawks ahead of the Chiefs at 80. So it could be, I don't know, uh, 80.1 for both of them. And maybe the Chiefs are 80.2 for them. And the Chiefs are 80.1, 80 flat. I don't know. Uh, but the Chiefs have the uh, 13th highest rating on Madden. If you want to look at the overall ratings uh, uh, for offense, it's at an 81. The same thing for defense, it's at an 81. The top three rated players for the Chiefs on Madden, Eric Berry, number 95, uh, rated 95. Travis Kelsey rated 94. And Kareem Hunt at an 89. Now, I thought if you told me the top three players on the Chiefs, I thought Tyreek Hill was for sure going to be on that list, but not the case at all, Uh, at least not for the top three, Uh, but again, for right now, it's Eric Berry, Travis Kelsey, and Kareem Hunt in that order, one, two, and three. Now, here's one thing to keep in mind, a couple of you guys were frustrated on the Facebook page, wondering why the Raiders are above the Chiefs in ratings, or 
the Jaguars, oh yeah, I mean, the Cowboys. I mean, a lot, a lot of different things. By the way, I, I do have a hard time believing that the Rams are an eighty rating. Same with the same with the Chiefs. But again, uh, just just my observation from this. But here's one thing to keep in mind: because the past few years with online gameplay and that technology that's been out, EA Sports has taken advantage of that, and they have updated their ratings for players and for overall team ratings. During the season, each week as they go on, if you play Madden, now I haven't played any of the recent Maddens, uh, but, but but nowadays, each week, they'll update the ratings, so, it, I mean, let's say a guy like Kareem Hunt, who probably, and I'm just, I'm, I'm guessing here, let's say he had a 70 rating at the beginning of last year, being a third round pick, he probably jumped up as the season went on. And with online gameplay, with that technology being available, EA Sports updated his rating as the season went on. If you bought uh, Madden 2002 on the PlayStation or the PlayStation 2, online gameplay, I I think, was actually being developed at the time. And you could not play anyone online yet. And even when they did have online gameplay, they didn't have the idea of updating rosters and updating uh, ratings at the time, so uh, you know, with past matter ratings, whatever came out in the beginning, that's what every player's rating was from that point forward. By the way, I remember last year when Madden came out. Uh, I think it was NFL memes that posted a screenshot of Madden ratings from 2000 or 2001. In fact, there's actually a website called MaddenRatings.Weebly.com and then if you type slash Tom Brady or uh, Tom-Brady.html you actually get his uh, jersey from every year uh, and not only that it shows his Madden rating and 2000 Brady's Madden rating was at an 87 in 2001 it was a 51 so he dropped 6 points and then from 2001 to 2002 he went from a 51 to an 84. Now, without reading the years, starting with 2002, I'll, I'll just read you the Madden ratings. It goes 84, 90, 97, 98, 99, 99, 90, uh, 97, 99 again, 98, 97, 93, and uh, in 2015, it was 97. It doesn't show anything beyond 2015, but you get the idea. I mean, Tom Brady's always going to be in the high 90s for sure, uh, but but uh, yeah, you have to chuckle at that. You have to, I mean, look at that and wonder... Uh, of course, you know, no one ever knew, uh, what kind of a player Brady was going to turn into, but, uh, just seeing those old Madden ratings, uh, with, uh, Tom Brady back in the day, certainly very interesting to see. In fact, I, I believe I, there was a screenshot last year that showed Damon Heward, uh, who eventually joined the Chiefs. He was with the Patriots and teammates with Tom Brady at one point. And, and the Chiefs, for whatever reason, love bringing in backups that won Super Bowl rings, uh, as a backup for Tom Brady, Damon Heward, Matt Castle, but I, I digress. Uh, Damon Heward had higher a higher rating than Tom Brady, and, and not only that. Uh, sometimes with these ratings, especially with late round picks like Brady, uh, I don't know. I, I don't remember exactly how news got around at the time. Maybe EA Sports didn't know of all the draft picks at the time when they were trying to develop the game. Uh, in one of the Maddens, one of the early Maddens, 2000 or 2001, Tom Brady does not actually have a name. He's just listed as QB12 on one of them. I mean, the disrespect for a guy who eventually won 
five championship rings and has been to has been to three more Super Bowls. You you've got to you 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 just got to look at that and and laugh because uh, you never know uh, what a guy could turn into. Uh, but certainly a guy from a fifty what fifty seven then dropped to a fifty one rating and now holds five Super Bowl rings. Very interesting to see for sure. Joining us now on the Chief Zone podcast, he is a soccer writer, formerly of Bleacher Report, just like myself, and he's got his own personal blog, Fountain City Soccer, and uh, you can check out his work on several other soccer websites out there, freelance soccer writer, does a lot of great work, Uh, a little bit of familiarity with his work uh, back when I was writing a Bleacher Report, Alan Henkel, joining us here on the Chief Zone podcast. Alan, how are you? Um. Good, good to talk to you finally. Yes, yeah, you and I, we, we've talked on social media Oh, I, for at least uh, about a couple of years. Uh, you, you know, it's funny, uh, the first time I actually had heard about you, uh, I saw uh, the Bleach Report. I, I mentioned you and I both used to write for Bleach Report, and Bleach Report always had uh, certain blog posts that only their writers could see. And uh, it was basically an update about the website, and sometimes about certain writers and there was one blog post they wrote, and it mentioned that a Bleacher Report writer played for uh, for the uh, media game, the uh, Sporting Kansas City media game. They did this back when the team was named the Wizards, and uh, now they've do, they they still do it with Sporting Kansas City. And I thought, well, well who is it? And I had never I had never heard of you before. I'd never seen any of your work. Uh, and that's when I got familiar with you a little bit. So you have played in the Sporting KC games before. Uh, but before we talk about all this FIFA stuff, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, how, how did you get involved with that? Well, I have had uh, Sporting KC slash Wizards uh, media credentials since 2008. Um, and... They gave me an invitation for that game, which was actually, strangely enough, in uh, 2012. And I actually got to play. Uh, I got my own jersey with my name and number. Um, actually got to play on the field uh, at Children's Mercy Park. And I actually got the cauldron chanting my name, which was kind of nice. <laughs> No, I've seen that before. Now, now you, uh, I looked up a couple of past highlights uh, with these media games uh, that Sporting KC publishes on their uh, social media pages on YouTube. Uh, you you play goalie for these media games, is that correct? Yeah, and I'm not going to do that again because nobody else plays defense. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm curious, is there one specific person uh, from the media whose shot, uh, whose goal attempt you blocked and you really felt good about it. Is there like one person in specific you, you just had to kind of rub it into? Um, I actually did make a save in the 2012 game. I can't remember who it was on. Um, but if I did, I would definitely give that person a lot of flack for it. <laughs> Certainly fair enough. Uh, Alan, I want to get into this uh, whole FIFA deal uh, because a lot of people were wondering if it would come to the United States, and sure enough, it, it, it is. But it's not just the United States. It's actually uh, North America that's going to be getting the World Cup in 2026. Uh, now, the way it works, there are uh, 23 cities, uh, three in Canada, three in Mexico City, and uh, several in the United States that are eligible, uh, that, that are qualified to host uh, a FIFA soccer event in 2026. 
Uh, I, I'm, I'm curious when you look at Kansas City's chances. Realistically, I know, I know you and I, we both live in Kansas City, where we're big fans of all the sports teams here. Uh, do you think Kansas City has a realistic shot at hosting a FIFA game in 2026? Absolutely. Um, NBC Sports did a did two different scenarios listing um, their picks for um, host cities. Uh, one using twelve. U.S. cities and two each from Canada, Mexico, and then one uh, using 10 cities from the U.S. and then all three from Canada and Mexico. And Kansas City actually made both lists. Uh, I think one thing uh, that has to be counted in Kansas City's favor is the fact that the National Training Center is out by uh, Children's Mercy Park. Uh Pinnacle just opened, I think it was um, earlier this year, um, this absolute state-of-the-art facility, and that's got to count for something. And I'm looking at the list of NFL stadiums, uh, and I take that back, not all of them are NFL stadiums. I know the Rose Bowl in L.A., okay, okay, that's... You've got an NFL team there, but you get the idea. Uh, there are four uh, stadiums ahead of Kansas City in terms of capacity. You've got the Rose Bowl. It seats 92,000. Uh, MetLife Stadium, uh, 82,500. FedEx Field, 82,000. And then you've got Dallas uh, at uh, Jerry Stadium with 80,000. Then Arrowhead is next on the list, 76,416 uh, approximately. Uh, the bid book capacity has it listed at 76,640. Right behind it is uh, Sports Authority Field. At mile high. So, uh, do you think the capacity uh, is a factor in Kansas City? Hey, how big of a factor do you think that'll play uh, when they try to decide how many cities will uh, will be able to host FIFA games? I I think uh, knowing FIFA as as well as I do, they are uh, as the uh, song says, they're all about the Benjamins. Um, so. Th- the capacity is going to play a big part. I think the central location is going to play a big part. Um, the fact that we have a new airport coming is going to help. Now the public transport on the ground uh, probably still needs some work, but then again, we've got eight years. Uh, so, well, technically two until they pick the cities. But, I have absolutely no reason to believe that Kansas City will not be hosting uh, possibly up to five games. And uh, David Ficklin, who runs the uh, local organizing committee and is a uh, VP for Sporting KC, so the economic impact of hosting the World Cup could be as much as $800 million for Kansas City alone. Certainly a lot of money. Uh, yeah, I know that can really go a long ways. I, and I'm really glad you mentioned the airport. I was actually going to bring that up. Uh, I was going to ask you about it, but you already answered that. Uh, I, I was going to ask if you thought the, uh, the possibility of a new airport, if that could really play a big role for uh, Kansas City uh, being favored. It, it, because if you look at the current airport, it's 
I mean, look, airports are not meant for entertainment, but at the same time, uh, people want to have something to do at the airports when they're waiting for such a long time uh, in between flights. And Kansas City, just, it's one of the worst airports. So uh, certainly a new airport would really be beneficial for that. And then you mentioned the total amount uh, right there from the uh, Sporting KC source you, you, you just brought up. That certainly would go a long way. Uh, here's another thing I, I want to ask you, and this is something that I have very little familiarity with. When it comes to these FIFA qualifying matches, uh, they, of course, the United States, unfortunately, they did not do very well, and uh, that's led to them not playing in this year's World Cup. Uh, but I, I hear a lot about how uh, Russia has an automatic bid because they are the host country. How does the automatic uh, qualifying bids, how is that all going to work out with Mexico, the United States, and Canada? Do you know anything about that? Well, we're getting uh, conflicting uh, reports. I think one of the, I think Carlos Cordero, who is the president of U.S. soccer, uh, said that that was up to FIFA. Uh, but then uh, FIFA said, no, it's up to CONCACAF, which is the uh, regional governing body covering uh, North America, Canada, or I'm sorry, Central America and the Caribbean. Um the way it will probably work, uh, North America, CONCACAF gets uh, for this new 48-team uh, format that they're going to use for 2026, uh, they will get six slots uh, out of those 48. Um, what they will probably do is give Canada, the United States, and Mexico three of those slots and then the rest of the region has to play for those other three. Uh, and then there will be a uh, playoff uh, involving, I believe, six teams, uh, one from each region except for, I think, Europe. And then those those teams play for the last two spots. So it's possible we could get a total of seven teams in that 48-team tournament. What do you think about the United States before I let you go? Uh, just looking at the current World Cup right now, uh, what do you make of them missing this year's World Cup? Because uh, I mentioned this on the podcast before, not only are people not interested in this year's World Cup because the United States is not in it, but not only that, I mean, look, Alan, on, on weekdays, I mean, these games are on very early in the morning or just during the day uh, where people in the central time zone and on the East Coast, they're at work. And the people on the West Coast, they're probably just waking up. I don't think a lot of people are going to wake up and see some of these other soccer. I mean, I mean unless they're complete big-time soccer fans, but there aren't a lot of those uh, in the United States. I I'm just curious what you make of this World Cup and the United States not being a part of it. Well... There is uh, one uh, stat I saw that might actually surprise you. The country buying the second most uh, World Cup tickets beyond, behind, obviously, uh, Russia was actually the United States. Um, I think 80, something like 88,000 uh, World Cup game tickets were sold to people from the United States, um, more than any other country besides Russia. So... That that being said, um, I'm sure Fox was really disappointed that the United States didn't qualify, if only because 
this is the first World Cup of their uh, contract with FIFA, and not having the United States in it kind of hurts uh, ratings. The time zone difference doesn't help, um, but I have a feeling that there are going to be a lot more people getting up for watching it, if only because um, they have secondary nations to root for. For example, I'm pulling for teams like Germany and uh, Egypt with Mo Salah. Um, so I'm, I'm sure it will be a little bit more than you would expect, but certainly not as much as Fox would like if the United States had qualified. I saw Luke Thomas of SiriusXM. He does a lot of uh, MMA sports, and I, I've seen him actually fill in as a radio host for other um, sports channels on SiriusXM. He wrote out a tweet, and he's a big soccer fan. Uh, I know he's a huge Real Madrid fan. He wrote a tweet saying that ESPN, uh, in their top 10 plays, they showed absolutely no soccer highlights, and I believe this was on Friday. Now, I've got to admit, uh, I mean, this past weekend, I, I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of the soccer games, nor uh, j- j- follow any of the coverage on SportsCenter or anything like that. Uh, I know we just talked about the interest from American fans, but as far as media coverage, what have you seen? Is this getting covered a whole lot by the American sports media? Well... I've seen some from uh, ESPN. They've got they've actually got people in Russia watching the games, but I think FIFA basically is leaving the uh, highlights open only to Fox, if only because they're the ones that wrote them the rather large check to cover it. I have a feeling that the main reason that you're not going to see a whole lot of coverage from other outlets is just limited to the fact that the U.S. did not qualify. Very interesting stuff. Alan, we've covered a lot with you. Uh, Before I let you go, final thing from me, is there anything that I did not ask or anything we didn't touch on regarding having a FIFA World Cup game in Kansas City at Arrowhead Stadium that you think is pertinent that listeners should know about uh, and how it could impact Kansas City, the Arrowhead, and the Chiefs? Uh, Well, let's see. The the selection process uh, will, I, I believe they have, the the timeline uh, says that the decision will be made sometime in 2020. So our elected officials might want to do something, say, about uh, ground transportation. Uh, we might want to seriously consider uh, extending the um, streetcar um, possibly all the way out to the airport, uh, if only because that would help immensely in getting FIFA to award us games. And they are, uh, it's possible that they will award us up to five matches. Um, each one could be a rather rather big deal, and especially considering that uh, one of them could be a quarterfinal or maybe even the third-place match. Um, so I would, I would be putting pressure on uh, city leaders to possibly uh, do something about improving the uh, public transportation, at least as far as on the ground is concerned. 
Alan Henkel here with us on the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Check out his soccer blog, Fountain City Soccer, and he's also a freelance soccer writer, so you can catch some of his work on several different soccer websites. You can follow him on Twitter at Alan Henkel FCS. Uh, his name is spelled A-L-A-N, and Henkel is H-A-I-N-K-E-L, Alan Henkel FCS on Twitter. Alan, it was really good to finally talk to you. Uh, hopefully we can get more news about this. That way we can get you back on the podcast. Great to finally talk to you uh, over the phone. I know we've been talking on social media for, for, for a few years, but finally we get a chance to uh, have you on the podcast. So uh, hopefully we can do this again. Definitely appreciate your time. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Take care, Alan. Off he goes. Alan Hinkle. Uh, again, check out his blog, uh, Fountain City Soccer. And again, you can check out his work on, uh, on on several different soccer websites. I believe he just recently wrote for, I don't know the name of the publication, but he covered the Sporting KC uh, U.S. Uh, Open Cup uh, event uh, for one of the uh, uh, U.S. Open Cup websites. So uh, he's definitely very active when it comes to covering soccer. Uh, one of the more active soccer writers in the Kansas City area. So be sure you guys do check out his work if you want to hear more about Soccer, especially in Kansas City, possibly getting a FIFA game. Alan is the guy to go to. Alan Henkel FCS on Twitter. Very interesting stuff. It, you know, he mentions the transportation on the ground. If you improve that stuff for the FIFA World Cup, because there's been talks for a while now, it, because of the uh, train car that that they have downtown, people have been wondering: Would that ever expand anywhere else? You know, the people have talked about, you know, somewhere in Johnson County, like uh, Olathe, Overland Park, maybe maybe it would expand that far. Seems like a lot of miles you're putting in, for, I mean, to build a train car for that. I, I don't know the logistics of that. Uh, and again, I don't know if they would do go that far for an event like this. I mean, certainly having it from downtown to Arrowhead seems like it would it would make a lot of sense especially with the FIFA World Cup coming up maybe from the airport. Again, that's a lot of miles though. Uh considering where the airport is, where KCI is and where Arrowhead is. But if if the city city decides to make these kinds of improvements, it gets kind of interesting because sure, those are great improvements for for having FIFA games, but what about after that? You know, will, will will people in Kansas City take advantage of those improvements? Will will people will, will, will we see those things be used afterwards? Because uh, I know Kansas City's done a lot the past few years in trying to uh, improve the city. We, we've seen that the stadiums get a facelift. We, we've seen the uh, uh, we've seen a lot of differences downtown. The uh, uh, center of performing arts. Uh, at Kaufman, I mean that, that's I wouldn't say it's brand brand new, but it's a fairly new deal. It opened up in 2011, if I'm not mistaken. Power and Light wasn't even there before 2007, if I'm not mistaken. Same time when the Sprint Center opened. So uh, over the past 10, 11 years, we've seen a lot of changes in Kansas City, and I know 10, 11 years doesn't sound like uh, it's a um, it's a short period of time, but but it, it goes by pretty quickly. And during that time span, we have seen a lot of changes in, in the city, some positive changes. And then we see the train car downtown. And now here we are, we're talking about a new airport, and maybe they push for that even more because of these FIFA World Games. So certainly going to be very interesting. One thing I did not touch on with Alan that I definitely think would be interesting to ponder, and I actually talked about this when we talked about the possibility of having a Super Bowl in Kansas City, you've got to do something about that damn Arrowhead traffic. Now, I did not hear a lot of complaints about it this year compared to years before. 
So hopefully we can keep going in that direction. I'm still pretty skeptical of that. I, I, I've shared my nightmare parking experiences at Arrowhead uh, ever since Andy Reid got here. I mean, it, it, we've had sellouts for years, and all of a sudden it seems like Arrowhead forgot how to direct traffic during those few years where the Chiefs were very bad. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see how all of that goes down. Hopefully they can continue to find ways to improve in that area and that certainly remains to be seen. Again, definitely big thanks to Alan Hankel making time for us. And I'm sure as the story unfolds, we'll hear more about this. And we'll definitely bring Alan back on to talk more about this. Again, make sure you follow his uh, Twitter account, uh, Alan Hankel FCS. And uh, again, his soccer blog, Fountain City Soccer. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott was quoted recently saying that he has, quote, all four, end quote, a heavy workload in 2018. Now, I think from a Cowboys standpoint, this would concern me a lot. Sure, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott will say that and he'll hope that the Cowboys will honor that and give him his wish. But I think that is what he wants. Look, we know that nowadays in the NFL, down-for-down running backs don't really exist anymore. Maybe some starters play more downs than other starters, assuming all of them play in a full 16-game season. But everyone needs that bullpen relief from the sideline for a couple of plays, uh, a couple of times in a game. Uh, If Zeke does get a big load and likely does well with that, This could translate into a Larry Johnson situation where he could demand a lot of money after a very busy season. Let's not forget, Larry Johnson, of course, broke the record for most carries in a single season and then demanded a lot of money in the offseason. Refused to show up to training camp until he got a new deal and the Chiefs gave him his wish. And unfortunately, you didn't see another good season from LJ after that. Some highlights here and there, but nothing consistent from him, and I kind of wonder if something similar would happen with that, where Ezekiel Elliott will have a big season and has a, a, a big workload in 2018, in which he would essentially demand a lot of money for the following season. That's something that I would keep a very close eye on because if he, if the Cowboys do go through with what he wants to have happen, I think contract talks will start to heat up. One guy that's starting to heat up a bit, by the way, Andrew Luck threw in practice for the first time this offseason. First time in a long time that he's been able to really do anything with the Colts. In the past three years, the Colts are 10-16 and 16 without Luck. Uh, he's missed 26 games in the past three seasons. Look, look, injuries can really de- derail a player's career. We, we, we've seen a lot of great players with phenomenal careers who've done great and unfortunately injuries have kind of set them back a bit and they don't end up living up to their full potential they don't live up to the hype completely because of certain injuries that have taken place and that's very unfortunate and it's unfortunate to see for Andrew Luck especially with with a guy who has so much talent everyone wanted to suck for Luck uh in 2011 I believe it was so uh you know this guy's got a lot of talent, and maybe he would have had a Super Bowl by now had he been able to stay healthy. Who knows? Hopefully he can stay healthy now because I think the sport needs a guy like him. He, he was one of the top five QBs in the NFL before he started getting hurt on a consistent basis. So we'll see if Andrew Luck can stay healthy. Uh, it seems like he, it's, it's unsure if he starts the season, but 
he'll for sure play in 2018 for the Colts. And look, the Colts really need him, especially in that wide-open division that we've seen the past couple of years, other teams getting ahead of the Colts in the AFC South. Another story I do want to talk on, we mentioned Tom Brady. I do want to go back to him because there's been a lot of talk about him, and uh, the word now is that this this could be his final year. He could retire soon. And a lot of people, I, I think, have wondered. People say, sure, he loves the game. That's one thing. But a lot of people have been asking, what does he have left to accomplish? Five Super Bowl rings. He's been to three more championships. Uh, I mean, this guy's completed so many things in his professional career what is there for him to do and I, I've got to say I agree with that notion uh, you know the older you are the more you risk the chance of getting injured and I think with Tom Brady's personal life with with all the money you've made and, and you're you're married to a super model who will make all the money in the world for you and let's not forget uh, her net worth is higher than Brady's so we know that this is a guy who's set for his life, even after retirement. So I think Tom Brady should definitely strongly consider making this his final year. And, you know, for a guy who has done so much work on the field and also a lot off the field, doing so much media and always being busy uh, with his football career in some shape or form, uh, you know, he hasn't spent a whole lot of time with his kids. And I think that's something he'll definitely consider when he thinks about it. So whether or not this will be his final season in the NFL. Let's go out of bounds. I mentioned the FIFA World Cup is in full swing. Uh, of course, we uh, talked a little bit about that with Alan Hankel. Uh, there is a Messi-style haircut. Messi, the uh, soccer player, uh, you can have Messi's face on the back of your hair. It is a style that takes... Google this, folks. It's a real thing. And it actually looks pretty good and pretty impressive, too. I mean, this really takes a good hairstylist to make that happen. It takes seven hours to do. They're actually calling it a, quote, hair tattoo. And it costs 132 euros in American dollars. It's $153.58. Just to have one of the greatest soccer players ever... Having his, quote, hair tattoo on the back of your head. Is that really worth it? 153 bucks? There are a lot of things to do with 153 bucks, but hey, that's just me. Another story I want to talk about, the Kansas City Royals. Uh, Really just a terrible weekend for the Royals. You had uh, Jorge Soler, who got hurt on Friday, when Merrifield got hurt on Sunday. And then this uh, umpire, who I guess has a history with the Royals, he ejected Mike Moustakas after a close play at home plate. And after review, they still called him an out. And then he got at it with Ned Yost, got at it with Salvador Perez in between an inning. And then ejected Danny Duffy, who wasn't even pitching in the game. Uh, by the way, Moustakas has been ejected tw- uh, three times in his career, twice by this umpire. Uh, and it was also noted that uh, because of technology now, you can tell exactly what is a strike and what isn't. But the umpire will not always get it right. I know on ESPN they have that square box uh, right behind the catcher. And you can actually see it in real time uh, live if uh, something is a strike or a ball. And again, it won't always be called correctly. 
on uh, some of the other broadcasts. They'll replay it, and that is when you'll learn for sure if it was the right call or not. This umpire supposedly missed 15 strikes when the Royals pitched in 2017. And look, I've got to say, I don't know again what this uh, ump's beef is, uh, you know, ejecting Moose twice, ejecting a pitcher who wasn't even playing in, in this game on Sunday. Uh, I, I get it, frustration's boiling over with this frustrating season. The Royals just dropped their seventh straight game. And by the way, they traded Kelvin Herrera. But that umpire, I think, does need to be uh, looked at. Uh, I, I, do, I do think Major League Baseball needs to uh, look into that. But man, I mean, what a tough season for the Royals. And now you need more and more players from that, from those magical years, 2014, 2015, going away. And uh, I mean, that's just the reality of it. It really is. One thing I do want to talk about, Greg Hardy, former NFL player, of course, everyone knows his story, got into some trouble with domestic violence, uh, with uh, an ex-girlfriend. Obviously, horrific things uh, took place. He competed against another former player, Austin Lane, in what's called the UFC Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series, basically every Tuesday night. Fighters from regional promotions fight in the UFC for one night, and they do this every week for for a couple of weeks. Uh, and the best fighters from each night get a contract from the UFC. And Greg Hardy he got an impressive win, and Dana White had to pick a couple of fighters that he thought uh, deserved a contract, and Greg Hardy was one of them. And this guy, the UFC, got a lot of backlash for this, and it reminded me of when Tyreek Hill. Uh, he got drafted by the Chiefs, and there was a lot of backlash there. And I know I bring up the Tyree Kill incident quite a bit because, I'll be honest, it has kind of changed my mind on things. And again, I'll admit again, I think being a Chiefs fan, it has kind of made me feel this way because I was upset like a lot of you guys when Hill got drafted. But look at what happened to Hill. He's done all the right things the Chiefs have asked him to do, has not been in any trouble since then. And I think that's kind of paved the way for guys like Joe Mixon and Baker Mayfield, guys who have gotten in trouble off the field, but the NFL can still maybe look at that and say, look, yeah, sure, you got you got into some trouble, but there are guys who've done similar or worse things than you, and they're doing great now with their personal life and in the NFL. Can you do the same? And I think we've got to understand one thing here. When Tyreek Hill did what he did, again, obviously a horrific incident, but everyone needs to be able to learn from their past. Because look, if someone makes a horrific mistake in their life, they, and if they're being given a, a second chance, if they're not if they're not behind bars, well, let's hope they've learned from their mistakes and they make the most of it in their second chance. Tyreek Hill has done exactly that. Now, Greg Hardy, he had some interesting comments. I believe it was Tom Brady or somebody who he was making crude comments about with their sister and what they look like. And this is after his suspension too. So it's not like he really learned from his lessons at the time. But hopefully now, being in the UFC, I know martial arts really does personally, mentally change some guys and, and make them be a better person, be, become a better role model. But hopefully Greg Hardy can... Uh, can do what Tyreek Hill did, win some people over and, and uh, try to show a different side to him, try to show that he has learned from his mistakes, and that I think is going to be an up- uphill battle. I'm seeing a lot of UFC fighters, female fighters, who are against this because this is something they've dealt in their past. 
listen, it's an uphill battle for him, but it's up to him to be able to change everyone's opinion of him. So we'll see how that all pans out. Final segment of the show, let's throw some penalty flags. Alright, the first flag goes to former Chiefs tackle Donald Stevenson. Also spent a couple of years with the Broncos. Now with the Cleveland Browns. Reuniting with Todd Haley there. He uh, is... uh, was hit with a two-game suspension for violating the league's program for substance abuse. Here's another odd thing. Stevenson skipped all off-season, uh, man- including mandatory uh, minicamp practices, and has been fined uh, more than $84,000. Browns head coach Hugh Jackson didn't provide a reason for why he did not show up to off-season activities. Look, unless he has a family emergency, why is he skipping practice? And look, he did this all off-season long, so I don't think this was a quote-unquote emergency. I, I mean, he must have thought, Donald Stevenson must have thought that he has it all figured out and, and he's one of the better tackles in the NFL. No, not one bit. And by the way, I just came across this. I didn't realize this. Donald Stevenson blocked me on Twitter. Now, look, generally, I don't care if people block me on social media. I really don't. More, If anything, I, I never notice it unless I'm checking someone's social media every day. Just turns out I came across this one. He blocked me on Twitter. Hey, I've got to say that's probably the only successful block he's had since he's been drafted in the NFL. So, uh, look, I don't know. If he feels like he doesn't need to practice, then uh, good for him. Uh, there's a reason why he's on the Browns, though, and not on any other team. By the way, generally, I don't even care for these kinds of things. Uh, But if anyone cares enough to ask Donald Stevenson why he blocked me, uh, I'd be curious to know. Uh, I really would. You know what's funny is, again, like I said, I really don't notice when people block me or anything like that. Or if they unfriend me on Facebook. I I have recently, I I mean, here's my thing with social media, and I'll get back to the segment in a minute. I, I, I never notice when people un, uh, unfriend me or remove me. I really don't. The only time I ever notice it is there was somebody from my uh, from my college. For whatever reason, that person kept adding me, removing me, adding me, removing me. At, at that point, I basically knew that I was at some point removed by them on my friends list. And I, and I got a couple of flack because uh, someone, a public figure in Kansas City, uh, I blocked them on Twitter. And, you know, there was one person who came to his defense and started, uh, you know, defending him. Uh, l- let me just say this, because I have taken a new stance on social media. If someone, by the way, tells me that I'm an idiot and uses the wrong your, I'm going to have fun with it and then let it go after that. Uh, but I, 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 I try to reason with people on social media, even if they attack me. I've just learned it's not worth it. Uh, but I will say this, and I tried my best to interact with a lot of listeners. Uh, you know, whether they like me or not, I tried to do it. I do notice, though, people who keep tweeting me, if they tweet me about three or four times, and if it's every time, you know, something that's meant to be negative in some some way or form, I just eventually block them. Uh, because if all you're going to tweet me is negative things about my opinion or 
if uh, if you just want to tweet me and just say negative things, I, I don't understand the, the the need for that. I'll just block you either way. If you guys disagree with me on a topic, that's a completely different deal. But to constantly just come after me for something we don't agree on or just for the sake of fe- feeling to be negative, uh, I mean, I, I, I just don't have any time for that. I, I, I like social media. I think it's fun. But when people act like a donkey about it, I mean, look. It's not even worth it. It's a blot. Come on. All right. I went on a little too long there on that rant. So I'll uh, speed through the last two here. Kawhi Leonard wants to go to Los Angeles. Didn't clarify which LA. Uh, I'm just assuming it's the Lakers, as a lot of people are. Lots of talks that LeBron and Paul George are going to end up going there also. And Kawhi Leonard, I guess, wants to be in on it so we can have a classic Warriors-Lakers conference finals matchup. Look, if you're under contract, you can't just select where you go. Know your place. And besides, a report came out that both LA teams, the Lakers and the Clippers, reportedly uh, had some concern with Kawhi Leonard for his injuries. He's not too happy with how the Spurs handled his injury. That's one thing. But, man, uh, I mean, you can't just demand where you go or where you get traded to. You can't do that. All right, last one from me. Uh, this one made some national headlines. A uh, kid, don't know how old he is, but a kid in Overland Park hugged a statue. Now, I don't know where exactly this was, if this is at a museum or, or, or where this where this was. Uh, but when he goes up to hug this statue, he knocks it down and it breaks, shatters into pieces. The parents have to pay $130,000. Now, I'm assuming this was a, a museum or at least a place where there were a lot of statues or sculptures very at, at a high price, high value. Parents, if you're going to be at a place like this with your kids, keep a damn eye on the kid. Because you know where there are expensive stuff there. Can't let that happen. And now you have to settle and pay for a $130,000 statue. That's unfortunate. $130,000. You can do a lot with that money. Big thanks to Alan Hankel from Fountain City Soccer joining us here on the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Big thanks to you, the listener, for taking time out of your day to listen to the podcast. As always, subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. Hit the share button. Let your friends know about it. Interact with me on social media. Facebook.com slash Farzivisugan. Twitter.com slash Farzivisugan. Like and follow me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter. If you're not on social media, God bless you, because sometimes it is a cesspool of crazy peeps. If you got an email, hey, you can talk to me on there as well, farzine at farzimasugian.com. A big thanks to all of you guys once again for downloading and listening to the podcast. I'll be back on same time next week, Tuesday morning. Podcast will be out. We'll see. If there are any Chiefs topics out there that need to be discussed, we'll definitely have... Those closing segments, once again, around the NFL, out of bounds, and our penalty flags. So we'll definitely have something to discuss. Uh, Whether it's a lot or very little, we'll have another podcast out next week. Enjoy the rest of your week. Talk to you then.